Welcome back to Love Lindsay, a captivating podcast that delves into the realms of things we've written in the past and embraces the sometimes cringy nostalgia that accompanies it. You guys, I just had the best, most relaxing Valentine celebration weekend ever. I've been studying so hard for school just getting my little scientific nerd on. I know it's gonna be so surprising for you to hear this, but I did not decorate for Valentine's Day this year. I know, I know, I'm slacking. Normally I'm festive AF, as you guys know, I decorate for everything, but I'm just concentrating on school. I'm a studying, flashcard making maniac. So I spend all my free time going to the gym and walking on my walking pad at my standing desk and studying and writing papers. So I just felt like with that and then with um, my spring break trip coming up and then like planning for my birthday, I just felt like I was just going to take a break from decorating. Plus, I'm not hosting Galentine's this year, which sucks, but that's just the way it goes. Um, So no Galentine's for me. Maybe dinner with some of my girlfriends. We shall see. Maybe someone else can take the reins this year. But next year for sure doing Galentine's with my girlfriends because I've just, I've got the best friends. Shout out to my friends. You know who you are. Speaking of my birthday, my invitations went out and I'm so excited. Of course, my mom loaded Um, My mom designed and mailed them um, because she's just the queen of everything, especially of like marketing and um, making things like that. And yeah, so it was cool. It's been cool to see people's responses to opening up those invitations to my birthday. I'm so excited. And then this weekend I got to get dolled up um, all over again for Valentine's day. So Eddie and I did the same thing last year. We stayed at this really cool hotel here in Traverse city called the Delamar. And they've got an amazing, like really good, nice, I don't know how many stars it is or whatever, but like, it's probably one of like the nicer restaurants here in Traverse city they have there at the hotel. Um, So we got there, we checked into our room, the room was a nice view of the bay, and um, it was just gorgeous, and the rooms are really cool, they've got like, you know how usually stuff in hotel rooms are like nailed to the wall, or like there's no decorations, like this room had like vintage antique books, and like a globe, and like all sorts of like cool, like dark academia style decor in there and the rooms are like updated and really nice and they give you like free champagne when you come in so we brought our glasses upstairs I love playing dress up so much it's just like and we'll get more into this in this podcast episode but it it's vital to my being it's like a form of self-care for me is dressing up and taking pictures i recently got a pink digital camera very like 2008 Lindsay. i got this like 
I got it off TikTok shop. It's this pink digital camera. I love it. I love like the style of photos it takes. It just brings back to like a simpler time before we had camera phones. So I brought that and we took pictures and I dressed up and I just have like, you guys, I have a giant bin full of lingerie, like all sorts of stuff, little skirts, stockings, tops, matching sets, bustiers, corsets, like garter belts, like all sorts of stuff. So I love just like dressing up, doing hair and makeup, taking pictures while we were drinking champagne. And um, then we went down to our, oh, and there were like chocolates in the room too. And then of course, Eddie gave me a really cute card. I didn't even know they made cards like this, but it was like a card that you open up and it's like a pop-up card and inside is like a stuffed animal that like somehow lays flat when you close it. I don't know. It's like a little teddy bear. It was, it's so cool. I couldn't believe that he did that. Um, he's so sweet. I just love that man more than anything. And yeah, I'm going to get all mushy on today's episode because it's Valentine's Day. So, um, so we went down to dinner and I got this a really good maple glazed salmon and he got, I think like a steak. And then we went back up to the room afterwards to put on our bathing suits and our robes because they have this really cool, like big outdoor pool. And since it's winter time, it's heated to like 93 degrees, which it's really fun. I wish it was a little warmer. It's amazing. They can warm it up that much at all. I wish it was like as hot as our hot tub. Like I wish it was like 102 instead of 93. Um, but it's still fun. So we swam around in there and the cocktail waitress like brought us our drinks right to the pool. And then we rented out a cabana. So they have these really cool cabanas that are enclosed and heated and there's like twinkly fairy lights in there and like comfy furniture, like couches and chairs and like tables. And they bring you a thermos full of really good, really chocolatey hot chocolate, hot cocoa, and like a big pitcher of like um, whipped cream and like a bunch of sprinkles and like marshmallows and like chocolate. And like um, I had my first cheat day ever yesterday since starting keto you guys because I'm down 30 pounds now since last year so I decided it was high time to have a cheat day so I had my entree that I had for dinner um, I didn't substitute the sweet potato like I normally would, which was ended up being fine because it was literally just like a fine sweet potato paste. I had some of the chocolate truffles that they gave us. I had the full sugar hot cocoa. You guys, I had like two glasses of champagne and like half of a bourbon cocktail. Somebody at this place is like a Nirvana fan because they had two, or they're just like a 90s alternative music fan because they had two cocktails, one named In Bloom and one named Heart Shaped Box. And that's the one I got, which was like a fruity bourbon drink. So delicious. 
Um, and then they also had another drink called Everything Zen. And I think that's a Bush song. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, not that too many of you out there are probably 90s alternative fans like I am. But anyway, so I digress. Um, so we went to our little like cozy cabana and I like to put on like some good like rap music because I feel like we're in like a like a rap video. Hi Bean. Bean says hi to everyone. And um we're just in there. Nobody else thinks because there was like people renting out the other cabanas and stuff and nobody else thinks to bring their robe. And we actually had the same cocktail waitress coming to our cabana back and forth that we had last year. And she's like, I remember you guys, because we bring the robe. You guys, I had my big fuzzy robe, and then I had these blinged out pink earmuffs. Um, yeah, I bought these earmuffs specifically for times like this. It's Valentine's Day. They're pink. They've got like they're like bedazzled with like dangly crystals hanging off of them. Like if you guys ever saw the TV show, um, scream Queens, like all the girls that wore like the, um, the one girl that wore the earmuffs, that's what it reminds me of. They're like bedazzled and blinged out and so cute. And it was just cozy and warm and Eddie ordered, um, chicken tenders and I had a French fry <laughs> actually. I am able to have like a fry and not eat more. So, but I had the hot chocolate. Um, and at that point, I think I had like a cup and a half. And so when we were getting ready to go back up to the room, we had gotten two desserts to go. And I was like, I don't know. Cause I was already feeling kind of woozy from drinking and like, in studying neurology, I've been learning about um, how alcohol affects the brain and how it goes to your, um, like the back of your brain and it affects like your balance, like your, yeah. Anyway, so I'm not going to bore you with the, I already did a neurology lesson for you guys the other day. And so thinking about that, like makes me hyper aware of it. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't relax because I know exactly why I feel dizzy or woozy because it's from the alcohol. And because I know why I can't enjoy it. <laughs> That's panic disorder, you guys. Um, but so I didn't eat the dessert when we got back to the room. Eddie had his, but I just, I'm just more sensitive to stuff like that than he is. Like he can drink more and eat more. And I'm just like... I'll simply pass away if I have too much sugar in one night now. So, um, but it's fine. We got cozy in our beds. It was very romantic and sexy. And yeah, I just went off on a crazy tangent. I just realized and getting into talking about our plans over the weekend. So let's, Let's restart so we can focus on the topic of the day. Today is February 14th, and I just want to say one thing. Happy Valentine's Day. Today, I am your modern day Cupid, bringing you so much good and different content 
February on Love Lindsay this month is all about love and sex. You can't have one without the other. First of all, before we get into this episode, just know I am so nervous. The topic of sex can be really misconstrued. I feel like when I say I'm doing an episode on sex, people are going to think it's all about like my personal experiences, which I'm going to talk about that a little bit in a light way, but this is not a raunchy podcast episode. This is not going to be X-rated, but I am going to get into a lot of things that people don't normally talk about. So just keep that in mind. I want to intersect sex and psychology, and I want to intersect love with writing because psychology, mental health, and writing are kind of the main focuses of my podcast, right? Um, so I just want to intersect these different things. I want to tell you guys some personal anecdotes about my own life. So if you are someone that's like related to me and you're at all squeamish about that, (laughs) you might want to click off, but I am planning to keep this podcast episode overall, not very, um, it's not going to be like hardcore, So generally, we know that engaging in consensual sexual activities or solo activities can improve your mood. It can also like lower your stress. It has been proven to improve your sleep. It also helps your anxiety and it improves your mental health. Also, it can strengthen your relationships and it assists with expressing your feelings. It can also reduce your feelings of loneliness and kind of increase bodily alignment. It can bring you closer to yourself. So I also want to preface by saying this podcast episode is not strictly regarding sex with partners. Intimacy with yourself is extremely important and being open and honest with yourself as a sexual being is extremely important as well. And like I said, although this podcast will stay mostly above an R rating, I am going to be touching on things, pun intended. So this is just my Valentine's Day gift to you talking about things that sometimes don't go with the status quo. And I don't know, you know, I have, this is my 30th, I think maybe my 31st podcast episode. So I haven't been doing this too long. I don't know if it's like social media, we're saying certain words will flag your media and it gets taken down. I have no idea. It's going to be an experiment for all, all of us again, pun intended. Um, (laughs) it, 
Yeah, because I know that you can't even really like type out the word sex or anything like that. Like on TikTok, for instance, it's extremely strict. You can't even post a regular bodied woman in a bathing suit on TikTok without it getting taken down. So I know that it's extremely censored. It's not as censored as it could be here in America as it is in other countries. But we're just going to see how this goes. So get cozy, put on your robe and slippers. If you're cleaning or if you're driving, great, cool. If not, if you can take time out to kind of just snuggle in and listen to this episode when you're able to just focus on it and think and reflect on it, that would be even better. But I know a lot of my listeners do a lot of different things while they're while they're listening to this. So hi, hi. I'm so happy to be back in your ears and talking to you about some topics today that I haven't really broached on here. And I just feel like it just feels right. Okay. It just feels right because I tell you guys about everything. I first started blogging like eight years ago, maybe even nine years ago now. And I always talked about on my blog, how I tell my blog readers everything. There's really not a whole lot that you guys haven't heard or read about. And it's the same way on this podcast. I've talked to you guys about how I've met my husband, my deep, darkest depression, um, issues, anxiety, panic disorder, getting arrested, having a stalker. I talk about friends. I talk about family. Um, so I just feel like it's only right to discuss things regarding the topic of sex. So let's get into it. I want to talk about virginity and losing your virginity, your, your first your first time. It's such a special moment. It should be, at least. And as someone that studies psychology, someone that's going to, that's, you know, on the road to becoming um, a behavioral health professional, a therapist, how I feel about virginity is this, and that's the right age is the age where you're not being manipulated into losing your virginity. The person that you choose will value and not abuse you. That's huge. And that there's no, I feel there's no ideal age to lose your virginity. It's just when you and your partner are ready and value each other. But here's the tea on how it happened with me. And again, I'm not going to go into too many details or compromise other people's, <laughs> um, other people's identities or anything, but so I definitely knew I wanted to go all the way sexually for quite a period of time before it took place. And I've, this is not my first time divulging these details publicly. I've had a blog post about this and I was going to read it, but I wrote that blog post like two years ago. And I normally, you know, you guys know that I read something on here and then we talk about it, but I just felt like I might as well just talk about these things. 
it's my first time saying it out loud publicly to an audience of a lot of mostly anonymous people that I don't know. So it's just, I'm so nervous. So what I wasn't nervous about is losing my virginity because I knew I was ready. I think I decided I was ready and I waited about six months and we'll get to talking about sexual preferences later on a little bit, but I always knew that I was into both men and women, um, basically since my sexuality started. So I actually had my first encounter with a woman before I had my first encounter with a man. So that's how it happened with me. I chose the day that I wanted to do it. We went out to eat. Um, and then we, and I want to tell you guys like where he lived because it's kind of, this guy lived across the street from me and my mom already knows this. So it's not anything new. So I don't feel too wild saying it like, oh my God, people are going to find out like, girl, it was like 30 years ago. Um, <laughs> well, less than 30, um, obviously, but he lived across the street from me. We weren't together at the time, but I just wanted to choose someone I was comfortable with, someone that I knew and not someone that I was dating. So that's how it was. And it was just normal, consensual. It wasn't traumatic. It was, um, it just came easily because pun intended, that's going to be the theme of today's podcast, pun intended, because I had been comfortable with the idea for so long that I just knew I was ready. So that's my story on how that happened. And if you guys are comfortable sharing with me how it happened for you, let me know. I know that there's... Um, I definitely think waiting until you're at least 18 is probably the best idea. And I think that this younger generation coming up is waiting longer. And I think that's great because we don't need to be messing around with that when we're still in high school, when we're still under our parents' roof. Um, it's risky use protection. One thing about me, one thing about me, I have always used protection, even with my husband before we were married, even when we first moved in together, I've always used protection. Um, because I was very adamant about the fact that I knew I wasn't ready to get pregnant. And I also is I'm very aware of STDs and you don't always know for sure if your partners have, you know, done something with someone else since you've been together, things happen. We're human and you just never know if someone had a human 
kind of, I don't want to say mistake, but you know, an intimacy that happened with someone else and maybe they didn't feel like telling you, just use protection. Condoms are there for a reason. We have generations of people that have been wiped out by AIDS that could easily be undone if we use more protection. So always, always, always wear a condom. Like I said, I've always used protection with every encounter I have, and I didn't stop until I had been living with the same partner, my now husband, for years. So I know that condoms are controversial because a lot of people say they don't like how it feels. Like, I get it. I get it, man. Like, totally. But it's so important to protect, especially as a woman, I think to protect your insides from from that, I don't know, from that skin contact, from the bacteria. I just, yeah, I just can't say enough good things about using protection. So there's that. See, I told you this wasn't going to be too bad or too raunchy. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about discovering our sexual identities and preferences. Um, I know it can be really hard to establish your preferences and come out to your friends and a family about who you're interested in intimately and sexually. Um, I know that there's a lot of pressure on kids these days to feel like they've got some kind of abnormal sexuality um, when really they are just hetero. And then there's pressure when you're not hetero to be hetero. And so I get it. I get it. Like I said, I knew from about high school that I was interested in men and women. So I myself identify as a bisexual woman. So there's that. Um, I would say probably most of my friends and maybe a few people in my family know about that. Like back in the day when Facebook first started and you could say on there who you're interested in. You could pick men or men and women. And I always had men and women. Um, and that was my way of kind of making it known on social media. I've never been very expressive about it. I have only very mildly dated women as a younger person. I'm mostly interested in men, but it's fluid and that's just the way it is. And I married a man and I'll be with this man and only this man for the rest of my life. And that's okay. That is okay. You can be bisexual and have only slept with women and never men, but just know that you're interested in men too. You can be bisexual and have never slept with either. You just know you're interested in both. You can be whatever you want. And that's a freedom that's been brought to you by all of our hard work before Gen Z, but brought to you by Gen Z. Thank you, Gen Z, for um, 
being so forward and progressive about this subject. It is so important to feel normal. Sex is normal. Sexual desires are normal. If they weren't, y'all, we wouldn't be here. <laughs> you gotta procreate. So as someone that studies psychology, again, I'm going to touch on the coming out thing. Coming out doesn't need to be a formal conversation, I don't think, unless that's what you prefer to do. Um, that's kind of my, my way I did it. There was really no formal conversations, just it is what it is. Um, you might come out by casually mentioning your partner to someone or going to an LGBTQIA plus event or something similar. It doesn't need to be a face-to-face -face conversation like what has kind of come to feel like the norm unless you want it to be. But here's the tea on how I did it. So I told you about, I told you guys about the Facebook status. But before that, um, let's see, it was my, um, this is so embarrassing. But this podcast is all about bringing you guys the ultimate cringe of cringe. So let's just go for it. So it was my sophomore or junior year sophomore year of high school and um I got my you know how you get like your little wallet sized school pictures to like distribute to your friends um not only did I change the way I spelled my name that school year to l-i-n-s-i-e I just wanted to be different and unique um, I wrote on the back of the school pictures, I handed out bisexual forever. <laughs> what? I don't know why. I just felt like I knew it and I wanted to scream it from the rooftops, I guess. Um, so that's the way I, I guess, came out to my friends. And the weird thing is, is that, so this would have been, this would have been like the year 2000 or 99, and it wasn't a big deal. Call me crazy. I don't know. It just wasn't. Like, nobody batted an eye. And I think we talk about how far things have come as far as acceptance, but for me and the people I surrounded myself with in, in high school at that time, nobody cared. Nobody cared. Um, as far as I know, there wasn't any like rumor mill going around. And even if there was, I didn't care because I outed myself. So it is what it is. So I just, I think back to that and I cringe. I absolutely cringe. I absolutely cringe because what a weird thing to write on the back of your school pictures for your friends to bring home. I mean, I can't imagine what their parents would have thought. Like if they're like, oh, you got some school pictures from your friends. Let me see who you got. Like, who's this girl? Oh, <laughs> like what was I thinking? Um, yeah, so 
that's my little story on sexual identity and preferences. Let me know if you guys have any coming out stories or cringy things that you've done or said regarding that in your past, please, because I could use some company over here on the side of the cringe fence. Um, let's talk about kinks. Let's talk about kinks. This also kind of goes along the ways of preferences. And I'm not going to go too deep. Like I said, this is going to stay at like PG or R rated and above. Um, but as someone that's going to be a therapist that studies psychology, if someone were to ask me, how can you stay safe psychologically during kink play? And you can use your imagination. This is any kind of kink type play. I would say to never assume that you know what you're doing in regards to that. Um, if you have not thoroughly investigated the activities that you want to be involved in, just always assume that you're not quite sure what you're doing if you're exploring new new territory in the bedroom that you want to experience and take it very, very slowly. It's also important, I think, to learn what your partners like while learning what you like. So having different preferences in the bedroom and different quote unquote kinks, I think is very normal and natural. And a lot of people have like larger gravitational pulls towards their kinks that are outside the norm of regular sex. And so if you have that gravitational pull towards that type of behavior or that world, which can be a very exciting world to be a part of and to become a part of, just take it very slowly. Read every book you can about it. There's a really cool book that I've read. I think it's just called S&M 101. And it's all about that type of like kink world and how it started. And and I used to live in San Francisco. So a lot of the culture surrounding S&M started in San Francisco. Um, also, not everything in your kink fantasy has to happen the first time you try it. Okay. Take it slow. Write down all of the things and behaviors that you want to try that you're interested in and then slowly go down and check off that list with a very, very trustworthy partner. Educate yourself. Be safe. Something that I prefer for intimacy, and this is not really a kink. It's, I like to embrace my femininity. I like to wear lingerie. I think it's fun. I think it's cute. Um, 
I love the style of lingerie. I love how pretty it is. I love the lace. I love the silk. I love the um, the tall like stockings, the little skirts, the corsets, all of the above, the matching sets. I love it so much. It's some like I have a huge bin full, full of all different kinds of lingerie. And that's just something that I'm really into. I always have been. I remember in college, the first time I got an apartment that had a walk-in closet, I had my dresser in there and it was like, I made it into like my boudoir. I hung my lingerie all around the mirror with like some Christmas lights. And back in that day, it wasn't very common for girls my age to have lingerie that I knew of. So I just felt unique and special in that way. I loved to shop at Victoria's Secret. And then when I met my now husband, and I have the podcast episodes all about that, um, and we got to go to the Playboy Mansion together, um, I had to find some lingerie to wear to a party, and I wanted it to be really special and unique because it was the Playboy Mansion, okay? But I just want to say that, like, I had already been wearing lingerie, taking pictures of lingerie even before that. Like, my friends and I would do, like, little photo shoots, and we'd print out pictures at the grocery store <laughs> to, like, give to our boyfriends for, like, Valentine's Day. So wearing lingerie in front of people wasn't brand new to me. Um, wearing it to a party? Yeah. That was definitely a new experience. So I found some cocktail dresses and I had them hemmed up so that it was like a little lace teddy type dress. Um, the pictures are out there if you want to know what I wore to my first Playboy party. Um, there you go. So... That was my first experiences of getting into it, wearing it out in public, and I've been into it ever since. I love to try on different things and take pictures and, like I said, embrace my femininity, post um, them online. And then things started getting very censored very quickly on my platform of choice at the time, Instagram. And I was like, how can I share these photos um, without getting blacklisted from a social media site? So these photos, that's not nudity, but it would get flagged as such. And I think if a woman has a, a normal sized body, um, the pictures get flagged more easily. I'm not sure why that is. So I don't know. It's like, what happens when, I don't know if you've been in this situation, if you ever will, but what happens when you decide you want to make money from your photographs that are too suggestive for social media? There are a plethora of ways you can do this. And I will tell you the tea 
on what I decided to do. So back in um, 2020, 2021, I had an OnlyFans account. And if you don't know what OnlyFans is, it's not strictly used for sexual content, but I would say that's a majority of it. And it doesn't even, I mean, it's calling it sexual content, I think is even too far. Um, but I had, you know, I would buy lingerie and take like mere selfie pictures all the time, not showing any nudity, but wanting to be able to post them. And I was like, if I post them on this OnlyFans account, which is like people have to pay for a subscription to see them, but it's just like an Instagram, then I could make money and also kind of explore this very feminine, fun, cutesy side of myself that I'm really into. So I decided to start an account and you guys, it was really fun. I made a ton of cash. I made a lot of money. Um, <laughs> um, and I started off just posting pictures and then like a lot of people would want to talk to me. And so that was an easier way to make money. So, and it's not like everything I talked about on there was sexual in nature. Most of these, and there it was mostly men just wanted to talk. And so I made even more money when I would just message with them back and forth. Um, at the end of the day, I did it for a few months and I made quite a bit of cash for me, at least. Um, I was very safe about it. I used a different identity, uh, but like I said, there wasn't really open. There wasn't like nudity on there for just anyone to see. So, um, that was the way I was involved with it. Um, I know a lot of people do put nudity on there. We'll put sexual content on there. That's great for them. I know that there are women, there are men, there are influencers that have bought and purchased entire houses and make their whole life's money just by putting content on there and on other websites. And that's fucking incredible and so cool. At the end of the day, I realized it just wasn't for me because I just didn't want to sit around and talk to guys online all day. I just was like, I, this is becoming way more than what I wanted it to be. I just didn't want to spend my time doing that. And I was getting back into my like back to school, back to college journey to go to grad school. So it was just a very like short lived part of my life. This is something else. I'm like sweating right now because this is something else that I haven't really been open and honest about. Even I think the blog post that I wrote didn't touch on that. Um, I think I've touched on it lightly, maybe on like a YouTube video or something. But again, it just makes me sweat. I think because of the stigma the stigma behind it. And yeah. So those are some of the main 
sexual topics that I wanted to get through. I do plan on bringing up more in this area of expertise. If I can get this friend of mine on an episode here, we're making plans to record and some of the things that we're going to talk about are really cool and special. So I can't wait to bring you guys more into that. This next part of the podcast, I want to talk about something I touched on last week. Um, and that's love letters. I love the idea of love letters and writing them. And since this podcast is about writing and reading things you've written in the past, I thought we could talk about what makes up a good love letter. And I came up with like a list of criteria you should use if you want to write your lover, a little sexy, steamy love letter. And maybe it's not sexy, steamy. Maybe it's just cute and romantic, whatever. As someone that writes a lot and has a blog, a successful blog, um, I thought I would share with you what I think a good love letter has. So first you need to start with like a sweet salutation, a sweet greeting. Um, Dear John or whatever is just not going to cut it. Like find something unique, sentimental, a thing that I came up with over and over again. And while coming up with this criteria is personalize it. So think of what you would say to that person if you saw them in person and they were looking really good, like, would you be like, hey, baby, or, you know, so come up with a sweet, and I'm going to try not to personalize this because I want to make it, I want you guys to think of this as your very own. So I'm going to try not to put in too many of my own examples as hard as it is. Um, another thing you could do next is make sure you include your favorite like memories and inside jokes. So mention something that happened between the two of you recently, or like when I saw you on this day, this is what I thought of what you looked like or how I felt. Um, don't just bring up things that could be written to anyone, make it really personal. Again, I'm going to use that personalization advice again to have your little inside jokes and like recent happenings incorporated into your love letter. Put on there what you love about them and not just physically and not just emotionally, emotionally or mentally either. Put a little bit of both. What do you love about them? Is it their eyes? Is it their hands? Is it the way they talk, their smile? Is it the way they interact with your family, your friends? Like this, obviously this doesn't have to be sexual, romantic, 
whatever you like about that person. Find some unique things that maybe they don't often get compliments on that might make their day. Also, I think it's important to be extremely specific. So how much do you love them? You can't just say like, I love you a lot. Like, do you love them more than there are stars in the sky? Or, okay, so they make you feel good, right? So instead of just writing that, like, you make me feel like a day at the beach. And even a step beyond that, you make me feel like a day at the beach when my skin is oiled and I'm basking in the sun. You know, make it really specific Your goal is, I think, to, when they read this love letter, to feel like this letter was absolutely written for and about them. Like there's no other way this love letter could be about anybody else. Make not a single line of the letter could be reused in something for somebody else. You know what I mean? This is just, this is what I think. Make sure it's personalized. I'm going to say it again and over and over again. Personalize it, personalize it. Um, there are a lot of ways to close a love letter. Some of my favorite are like eternally yours or yours always or with all my love, or longing to see you, or patiently yours. So sweet. So that's just something that I wrote out that I thought I would share with you guys. I think makes good criteria for a love letter. And I wanted to share with you guys, last week I shared with you guys a historical, what I think of as historical love letter between June Carter and Johnny Cash. And I thought I would share another one. Recently, Eddie and I watched the movie about Napoleon with um, Walking Phoenix. And I knew about his love letters to his first wife, Josephine. I've always known. And I think that's where they got a lot of the information for this movie because these love letters have survived the past couple years. And um, he really felt some type of way about Josephine. And if you don't know anything about Napoleon, he was the ruler of France after the French Revolution. So, and I'm super into Marie Antoinette, as you guys know. So not too long after the fall of Marie Antoinette, Napoleon kind of took over. Um, He was super into military conquests. Um, So he was out doing that a lot. So he would write letters to his first wife, Josephine, whom he actually had to get a divorce from and they had to do an official divorce thing, um, which was faux pas at the time because of religion. And they basically, he publicly divorced her. And so given the reasoning that I have to have an heir and this woman, she, um, they couldn't get pregnant and he actually slept with, 
another woman just to see if it was him or her and this other woman got pregnant so then he decided I have to divorce her even though I love her and I don't want to I have to divorce her and get married to someone else so that I can give birth to an heir so even after he got that divorce and he got this other woman pregnant his second wife very quickly and they had a son um and Josephine his first wife still got to live lavishly like in her own little castle home and he would come visit her and she had still like all of her servants and she was doing okay but they missed each other and then not too long after the son was born from the second wife Josephine unfortunately got ill I got sick and passed away and I don't think Napoleon ever recovered. So I've just got a little snippet here from a letter that Napoleon wrote to Josephine in 1796. And like I said, he was gone a lot on military conquest. So he was writing this away from home. He said, since I left you, I have been constantly depressed. My happiness is to be near you. Incessantly, I live over in my memory your caresses, your tears, your affectionate solitude. The charms of the incomparable Josephine kindle continually a burning and a glowing flame in my heart. When, free from all solitude, all harassing care, Shall I be able to pass all my time with you, having only to love you, and to think only of the happiness of so saying, and of proving it to you? That's just, they just, men don't write like that anymore to us, you know? Like, that's why I think that the topic of love letters is so important because it's just not used anymore. Like dudes really just be sliding into your DM saying the most random cringy stuff and you just don't get love letters like this anymore. And I just, I think it's important. So I hope that you take some of my advice and write out a love letter on this St. Valentine's Day to someone you love or even like a friend of yours or a family member. Make them feel loved and special. Again, a love letter doesn't have to be sexual or steamy or romantic. It can be whatever you want. On this holiday, I think it's important to reach out to people and make them feel loved, even your pets. I love getting like Valentine's Day gifts for my pets, like little treats. So rest assured, I'm doing that as well. I hope that you guys are having an amazing Valentine's Day and that you feel loved and special. And if nobody has told you yet today, you are loved. And you are special. And I want you to take some time out today to practice intimacy, not just in a sexual way, 
with yourself or with your loved ones and allow yourself to be vulnerable and embrace everything about love and intimacy. Life is just so short and so can be so cruel and so dark. And I think it's important to take every opportunity we have to celebrate one another and celebrate ourselves. That's super important. I hope you guys are having a great week. If you haven't yet, take that deep breath. I know recording this podcast, I'm a little shaky and nervous. So Lord knows I'm going to do some deep breath exercises after this. Um, I do have more on this topic to come up. I'm not sure when, but hopefully it will be soon. I hope you guys liked the little switch up today. Um, I think this episode is going to be a little bit shorter, but I bared a lot of my <laughs> my past and yeah. So anyway, I love you guys. Um, my little Lindsay lovers, just you mean the world to me. All of you are my Valentine. Share this podcast with someone you love, maybe as a hint that you would like a love letter from them. And don't forget to rate this podcast on Spotify. And yeah, that's pretty much it. You know what, though? I will see you guys back here next Wednesday on another episode of Love, Lindsay. I love you.